How many of you like birthdays? Well, you get to a certain age, you don't like birthdays as much, right? <laughs> but I still like birthdays. <clears throat> How many of you like um, births? Yeah, all right. God is a God of times and seasons. He has established the sun and the moon. He has ordained that the seas have tides of ebb and flow. We have the day and the night, and we have the change of seasons, not as much change and contrast in Oklahoma, perhaps, as <laughs> some other places, but we still have spring, summer, winter, and fall. God is a God of seasonal moves and themes or emphases. And he established and ordained in Israel that they would celebrate certain feasts and celebrations at different times of the year, and those are echoed in our own Christian experience. Passover, Easter, and First Fruits Resurrection, their season and fe feast of Pentecost, our season, our celebration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have these echoes in the New Testament, in the, in the uh, history of the church, of the celebrating and observing of special times and seasons to rehearse, to remember, and to call us back. Never forget, the purpose of birthdays is to rehearse and remember and celebrate this individual's special birth and life. Amen? Amen? And so God celebrates, and we celebrate, and he enters into our celebration because he's ordained it. He's the author of it. The very Sabbath, the very gathering of the church in worship on the day of resurrection is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ every time we get together. And he's ordained sacraments. How many of you like weddings? A sacrament, a blessing of God's grace. Water baptism, a celebration of our death in Christ and our life, new life in Christ, buried with him and risen in new life. Amen. Communion, these, these are baptisms. When we, I'm sorry, these are sacraments. Water baptism, wedding, communion. It means that God's grace is imparted to us. We receive the cup remembering that his blood forgives us of our sin as we confess our sins. We receive the bread, remembering that in receiving the bread, we are giving ourselves to him because he who gave himself in the bread and in his life on the cross said, receive me. He said, the bread is a participation Paul said in 2 Corinthians, when we partake, we are participating together in the body and the blood of the Lord in that by faith, we, just like in baptism, we were buried with him and we rose in communion. He gave himself, we receive him, and we offer ourselves, we give ourselves and he receives us. He receives every one of us. The many become one in Christ, just as in Christ, the one became many when he broke the bread and said, receive. So these sacraments, 
And then our, our secular times of birthdays and, and um, births. We, these are celebrated times. And again, God enters into the celebration because he celebrates you. Did you know that? He celebrates you, your name, your birth, your life. In fact, he knows your days. He's ordained your days. He knows you're getting up, you're rising up, and you're lying down. When you sit down to eat, he's with you. When you leave your house, he's with you. When you return, and so it's the blessing in the Old Testament of when you rise up and lie down, when you sit down to eat, when you leave and when you come in, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. The blessing of God. And so he's ordained too that the culmination of all the festivals, all the feasts, Passover and Pentecost and Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Tabernacles, the culmination of all is the return of Jesus, the return of Yeshua HaMashiach, at which time it says the trump shall sound. And so today, Paul, you are so gifted in blowing that shofar. Oh my goodness, it just gives goosebumps. It's incredible. Now, when Solomon dedicated his temple, and, and, and he called the people together right before the third fall feast, Sukkot. And he, <laughs> can you imagine, 22,000 cattle. I don't know how many cattle the stockyards in downtown Oklahoma City can hold. How many can they hold? 500, 1,000, 2,000, I have no idea. Can you imagine 22,000? And they all had to be sacrificed. But that's not all. Then there were sheep and goats, 122,000. 122,000. <laughs> Do you think God likes to celebrate? They just had this long line of cattle and long line of sheep, and they had to set up extra altars, and it went on for seven days. And that was just the seven days before the Feast of Sukkot. And then they celebrated Sukkot for seven days, tabernacles, which represents, by the way, the harvest, the final harvest, the ingathering. That's where we're headed. You see, the fall feasts were to teach and train and help people remember that God has a timetable, that known to him alone, he is sending his son back, at which time the new creation fully is manifested, the kingdom fully comes, the new heaven, the new earth, the dead in Christ shall rise and meet him in the air, and all people will be gathered in before his throne, the reward of the righteous, the judgment of the wicked, this is all foretold, foreshadowed, and celebrated through all the fall feasts and even through our Christian church year. Oh, if anyone on earth should know how to celebrate and have joy, it would be us. It would be us, the church, to have meaning in the celebrations and know that God celebrates with us and he is teaching us what's to come. So, we don't have 22,000 cattle. We don't have 122,000 sheep. But we have Jesus. We have Jesus. Now Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, after all those sacrifices, at night he had a dream. And God spoke to him. 
Now, let me back up. Before the dream and, and before all those sacrifices at the dedication of the temple, Solomon prayed long prayer. You think we pray long prayers? Read 2 Chronicles 6 and 7. He prayed, if famine comes, if violence comes, if plague comes, if the rain is stopped, if um, disaster strikes and, and, and we are, are under bondage and we are captives and we are taken away. And he goes through this long list of, of things and we see droughts and we see hurricanes and we see uh, plagues and we see violence. We see some of those things, don't we? We see some of those things. Well, Solomon was praying and he's saying, when your people, God, turn toward this temple and remember you and turn to you, even if they're in bondage somewhere in a foreign land, when they turn and they turn and face this temple and they pray to you and they humble themselves and they seek your face, Lord, hear from heaven and answer our prayer. And so he goes to bed and he has a dream and God says, I will. The context for 2 Chronicles 7.14 is everything I've just said. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Does our land need healed? Yes. Do we need forgiven? Does the world need to wake up and know that Jesus Christ is king of the earth? Yes. And we, and the, again, um, let me look at my notes so I can finish up here and, and not, not be preaching the everlasting gospel. <laughs> Celebration Solomon dedicated. God responded to Solomon. Here we are, feast of trumpets, signaling that we are looking to Jesus' return. All right, look. I believe, and we preached on it for weeks, that God gave our nation and the world a Selah. He gave it. I'm not saying that God caused the epidemic. I'm saying that in the midst of the epidemic, God said, pause. We're going to push your reset button here. Stop. Think. A Selah in Psalms. Think about it. Stop. Think about it. Think about what you just sang. Think about what your, the word of God is right now. Think about it. Nick loves to come up and say, think about it. <laughs> now look. The Selah I believe is a season of God, and I believe it's changing. We've heard prophetic words here. Stacy, Dennis, um, others have gotten up and spoken. It's time to shake off what hinders. It's time. <laughs> Let me go back to my notes and see what some of the things. Wake up, rise up, shake off what hinders. Unity with God and one another. Return to God. Pray for the nation. Rid ourselves of bitterness, unforgiveness, and sins. The call to holiness. Confessing our sins and turning to God. Begin. You see, Rosh Hashanah is a time to begin again. Look toward his return. Look toward the new heaven and earth. Be motivated now. Again, the Selah, whether we, whether we saw it as that or not, I believe God gave us an opportunity to pause, to meditate, to think, to contemplate him. But now I believe, I believe we're going to see change. Pastor Nick preached on being, living salty lives. This is the time now in unity, in love, in holiness, to stand up, to be those who celebrate and have joy. 
And as Richard has been preaching, practice both personal and corporate prayer. Grow in private and corporate spiritual warfare. Discern the good and the bad spirits. When is the enemy speaking to you? When is the enemy tempting and drawing you aside, distracting, confusing, discouraging, bringing down your spirit with a cloud underneath it? We've been battling that for six months. I believe we're in a change of seasons, and in the weeks to come, we're going to see God moving in, the, in our land and in our country. We're praying for this virus to fall, to fail, and for God's people to rise up. These prayer meetings that will be taking place on Saturday, the, the prayer that will be going on. Use our spiritual weapons of Revelation 12, 11, the blood of the Lamb, speaking the word of our testimony and declaring his word and self-sacrificial living. Wow. I believe we're at the change of seasons, not just summer to fall. I believe we're going to see, and, and uh, we've heard some prophetic words. If you watched any of those YouTube videos of Sid Roth interviewing several, some of these men, we posted on our, our New Covenant Fellowship Facebook, incredible Words of hope, if the church will pray. Incredible words of reconciliation, if the church will be involved in reconciling and in bringing righteousness and justice and standing up for those who are oppressed or ignored or disenfranchised. The church being the one who will reach out in love. The church being the one who will celebrate that we are one loaf, one bread, one body, one faith, one God and Father of us all. One tribe, if you will. One blood. One tribe. Sons and daughters of God in the earth. And he celebrates you. He celebrates with us. He's present in us. So when Solomon was praying, if my people will turn toward this place, we're the place. Are we not the temple of the Lord? Are we not the house of God? Not this place. I'm thankful for this place, but that's not the house of God. This is not the church. We're the church. So if my people will turn where? Will turn toward my presence. Where is his presence? In us. Where is his presence? His power. His face. Here. Every Sunday we say, may the Lord's face be upon you. His countenance be lifted up upon you. His face is here. His face is on you. You go to work. You go home. You get up. You visit your neighbor. You help somebody who's in need. You receive the body and the blood of the Lord. We are receiving him. And we're giving ourselves to him as he has given himself to us and is receiving us. This, brothers and sisters, is a time and a season for new beginnings, new faith, cast off discouragement, despair, confusion, fear, and anxiety. Cast it off because God is moving and he's summoning his people to pray, to humble, to seek his face. Can you say amen?